Are you enjoying the sunshine? It's so nice, isn't it? I've loved the rain. It's been really great, and we've needed it. But, man, it is fun to see the sun out, so I hope you can get out and enjoy it today. But we are so glad you're here. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here, whether you've been here a long time or it's your first time to walk in here. We are wrapping up a series today called The Art of Neighboring. What does it mean to be a good neighbor? And today, I have specifically chosen to talk about uh, a message that I've simply called, When Relationships Get Messy. Now, I have someone here to help me. In each of our services, we've had some people from our city, and on today, it's been Amanda. Amanda, come on up here. Amanda works for the city of Fort Collins, and she works in Neighborhood Resources, And she has been kind enough to give us her whole morning today. Would you say thank you to Amanda and welcome to Amanda? We appreciate it. Now, one of the things that I wanted to ask you is just how does our city, I know our city loves neighborhoods, but how does our city make a difference in helping our neighborhoods? Sure. You know, the city of Fort Collins really recognizes that the cornerstone of neighborhoods, and thus the city, are relationships, neighbor-to-neighbor relationships. So many of our programs really evolve around that, how to help neighbors build relationships. We do a neighborhood grants program, for instance, where you can apply for funding to host various events. And those could range from barbecues to jumpy castles to face painting. To no, almost... Let me stop you right here. Sure. You're telling me that the city will pay for our neighborhoods to have, let's say I wanted to buy some steaks, mm-hmm. some brats, mm-hmm. and invite all the kids in the neighborhood to a big block party, a neighborhood party. The city will fund that? As long as you also take care of the vegetarians in your neighborhood. <laughs> we, we got rid of all of them. No, I'm kidding. I, that was a joke. That was bad. No, I just think it's amazing. I just think it's amazing that, that our city has available funds for you to have a big cookout in your neighborhood. I mean, that's impressive. So what else? This is exciting. Sure. Along the line of building relationships, we also host Neighborhood Night Out the first Tuesday in August. We encourage you to go on the city's website. You can simply search for neighborhood, neighborhood programs, and all the information will come up to tell you how to host an event that day and be a part of over 100 events going on in neighborhoods all around the city. Again, just designed to bring people together and get you communicating with one another. It's powerful what you're doing. You know, in one of the areas I know you deal with, is like what I'm talking about today, when, sure. it, when it gets messy. Talk a little bit about some of the challenges you see happening in your involvement. Sure. Well, on the rare occasion that it gets messy. Yeah, because neighbor, neighbor, <laughs> neighbors never have problems, right? So, you know, we deal, we have conflict resolution services such as restorative justice and mediation. I'm also available to help facilitate large-scale disagreements and problem management issues within neighborhoods. But, you know, it can range from really small sort of nuisance issues that kind of start out insignificant and start to grate on one another's nerves, even things as simple as barking dogs. (laughs) Never. I'm shocked. (laughs) How many of you have a dog unattended out in the yard when you're gone? Come forward for prayer right now. We, we, and it's a challenge. You know, you know, if you've been in these situations, what else? What are the kinds sure. of things? Sure. You know, sometimes there's property line disputes. Yep. Sometimes it can be as simple as people don't like what color you paint your house. Yep. 
Um, and then it can, it can really evolve into bigger issues between systems. So maybe, maybe with development review or even tensions between long-term residents and students, especially in our community. Yep. You know, just having you here and knowing that we have an entire department called Neighborhood Services and we're doing this uh, art of neighboring, there is a lot of hope that I have that we can continue to make a difference. Amanda, thank you for being here. Thank we you. really appreciate it. Thank Say you. thanks to Amanda. Thank you. Making a difference. When, when I think about the challenges we have in relationships and the fact that they get messy, because every relationship, I mean, if you came with someone today, just look at them right now and smile like, see, we're normal. You're going to have some messes. And it's not easy. And every relationship you've ever had has some challenges that go with it. As a matter of fact, I would propose the deeper you try to go with somebody, the more stuff has to come out. And, and trust issues and confidence issues and nobody's perfect. And so there's challenges that we constantly are going toward. And, and so even though Pastor Jeff talked about this story a couple of weeks ago, I'm going to drill down in it a little bit, in a little bit different way in uh, the Good Samaritan from Luke 10. You guys know the story of the Good Samaritan, but we're going to just pause along the way and we're going to look at it as we go. Let me read the beginning of the story and let me set it up as to how this story ended up in the Bible. Luke 10, verse 25. If you have a Bible, just open it up and, uh, and follow along there. Verse 25. One day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Now this is very important. The religious were there. Okay, the Jewish people were there, and they were trying to trick Jesus. Jesus, or teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. That's a huge statement. Matter of fact, our mission at Timberline, the three words, let love live, that we have on everything, came from this passage. Then it goes on to say, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus the big question, and who is my neighbor? In other words, is there room for racism? Is there room for distance? Is there room for gaps where maybe not everyone is considered someone that I should be willing to offer my life to or to help? Guys, we live in a world now where you're literally probably 30 to 40 hours with, with air flight to, to almost any place on the planet. It's, it's phenomenal. And most of the time it's sooner than that. So we can literally talk about our neighbor being on the other side of the world in terms of caring for them, ministering to them, doing things that make a difference in countries of the world that need our help. But today, I really want to talk about the people you live around, the people that you associate, the people you see driving by, the issues that you face on a daily basis. I want us to deal with this type of stuff. The first thing I want us to unpack a little bit in this story is the first thing in your outline on the back of your program there, and it's this. The world leaves its mark on us. The world that we live in leaves a mark in our lives that we can't really shake. 
If you're going to really live here, then you're going to be impacted by the attitudes and, and the stuff that happens in our world. Let me, let me explain it this way. Let me read it. Verse 30. Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man, that's very important because they were all Jewish who were listening to him. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. Now, some of you may have been assaulted physically, but I can guarantee you, if you've lived very long at all, you have been affected by the attitude of others. You have faced rejection. You have faced humiliation. You have faced the pain of some of the things that our world puts on us. We live in a broken world. And families become broken. The issues that take place in your life. Before you know it, you can have emotional pain that overwhelms you. And you don't even have a quality of life anymore because you live with such anxiety and the issues and financial loss and pressure. And before you know it, it's just a a terrible situation that you live in. You feel like you're living in a hole. This world is a place that wants to rob you from your dignity. It wants to cause you to live with insecurity where you can never feel like you have enough. You've never arrived. You, you are still insecure. You, every time you look in the mirror, you don't add up. You don't measure up to what the expectations of perfections really are in our world. Another thing that's really important to me is that you understand that those of us who live on this earth, which would be all of us, cannot expect it to be the perfect place. The, Jesus actually said, in this world, you will have what? Trouble. And so without even realizing it, sometimes we try to make perfection our home here. This is not heaven. This will never be perfection. And I'm, I worry about Christians who have this idea that I have Jesus and everything is perfect. No, it isn't. As long as you're breathing, you're going to have problems and you're going to have challenges. But it's really important for me to be able to realize that this world, though it leaves a mark, I can have Jesus go with me through all the challenges that I face. The second thing I want to say is this. We make choices about how we will respond. You know, when we, when we see the needs around us. We make choices all the time about that. So, what is the pattern that helps us make the right decision, the right choice in our response? Verse 31 and this is interesting why, how Jesus does this. By chance, a priest came along. Now, I don't know, if you would think about this for a minute. These, these Jewish people, in their association of their priest in the temple, that's the first person they would think of who would be willing to help. I mean, it's, if anybody's going to help this man, it's the priest. And look what Jesus says. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed over to the other side of the road and passed him by. Okay, there is a small gasp in the crowd. A temple assistant. So now they're thinking, okay, maybe the priest was busy. It's the temple assistant. That's second. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there. But he also passed by on the other side. In other words, the two people most likely to help this man didn't. What is wrong with that? What's going on here? Now, we're in a culture, and I want to be very careful how I say this. We're in a culture that sort of says, I don't want to get involved. Or, how about this one? That's not my problem. Or how about, 
it's none of my business. <laughs> now, I have to be really careful because I want to remind you that there are some issues in your family or your neighborhood that maybe are really none of your business. <laughs> right? And so we need to pay attention not to run into every situation. Matter of fact, messages like this worry me because last night it was kind of cute when church was over. I was going back to my car. And I was in the parking lot out here and I saw a big SUV come and it looked like it was filled up with a family. And, and so I stood on the curb and went like this. <laughs> they stopped and pulled over and rolled the windows down. And it was a wonderful couple with kids in the back. And he said, well, this is just great. After a message like that, it means I have to pick up every hitchhiker I see, right? <laughs> and I looked back at the kids and pointed at them and I said, no, <laughs> it doesn't. There are times when you need to walk away and call 911. How many of you know that? Okay, be safe. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is the ability to discern that you might be in this moment for a reason and God has a plan for putting you there and you're not going to run away from that. You're going to be a neighbor who cares. And you're going to be a neighbor who makes a difference by your involvement. If we're not careful, we try to determine how to live just a carefree life without any problems instead of being willing to invest in people and give ourselves to people. Loving people means I am willing to be involved. That's the heartbeat of God. And I've said it a couple times in this series. It's easy to get into somebody's life, but it's tough to get out. So there's a price that's involved and we need to know that. that now, that, that's the third thing that I want to say is what moves us toward compassion? What is it that allows us to go from just seeing a need to actually caring about it? I can, I can have the knowledge that there's a need in our community, but I might not care. Oh, that doesn't affect me. Oh, what difference does that make? But maybe it makes a difference to someone else and I need to care about them, so I need to care about that issue. That, that happens all the time. So let me just... Let me just Read what this says. One verse. Then a despised Samaritan. That's interesting that Jesus said it like that. Because the people in the circle would be going, yeah, that's right. They are despised. I mean, Samaritans and Jews had different wells to drink from in many instances. They had different paths to different communities so they wouldn't even have to look at each other. They, just, they despised each other. So Jesus jumps on this. A despised Samaritan came along, and he saw the man, and he felt compassion for him. Wow. What happened in the heart of this man that he cared when others walked by? Like, how many of you, I, I won't put it in the form of a question. I believe some of this is truly DNA and how you're born, how you're wired, how God made you. Some people are super sensitive. And they just have compassion that oozes out of them. I mean, the, at their birth, they popped out and said, Mom, are you okay? You know, I mean, they just, they're like really worried that everything needs to go okay. They just live their life with this emotion and they care and they worry about everybody in the room. And, and then other people just don't seem to notice anybody else, you know, on the planet. And, and, and I don't know what all that's about, but I know you can change I know that you can become calloused when once you weren't. You get burned a few times. How many of you know what I'm talking about? It's like, okay, I'm not, I'm not getting in that mess again. 
I remember we have three kids, and I remember as they were growing up, one of the, especially the girls, you know, when they're young and they fall and scrape their knee, it's like, oh, honey, come to daddy. You know, let me kiss it. You've got an alley, all this stuff, you know. As they get older, and they, especially if they have a habit of, you know, exaggerating, then you're like, you're not hurt. Get up. Get outside. You're fine. You know, it's, where's that balance between suck it up and, and I really care and I want to help? We live in that tension all the time in our world. And your heart needs to be tested today. You need to examine where you are on the compassion line and what moves you to compassion. Are you willing to let the Spirit of God really do surgery on your heart to the point that your eyes will be open and you will pay attention to caring about the needs of people? It's a good question that I'm asking myself too. Um, There's a phrase that I, I think you've probably heard this before, but it's worth saying again. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We live in a very intellectual community here. I believe in higher education, no question. But I'm telling you, the highest intellect on the planet, no matter what your education level is, that doesn't mean you have more compassion. No matter how much money you make, if you think that if you make more money, you'll have more compassion and you'll give more, you probably won't. If you think less money will give you more compassion, it may not. It, make you, it might make you more selfish. It's not about those things in our life. It's about the attitude of the heart and the willingness to surrender who you are fully to God and have discernment in your life. And that's what the Bible calls being led by the Spirit. And I don't want that phrase to scare you. I want you to say, I want to be led by the Spirit. I want that connection in my life where God talks to me. So what are the action steps? Number four, what are the action steps that that are really become kind of necessary for me to do the stuff that God is asking me to do? So we're going to see several things that this Samaritan does. Verse 34, going over to this man, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine, and he bandaged them. How many of you know that's going to take some time? That's, that's caring at a pretty big level. Then he put the man in his own Mercedes. Well, not exactly, but in, in this day, a lot of people didn't have a donkey. So this guy has some means. He puts him on his donkey. He took him to an inn where he took care of him. This is trouble. I mean, this, he's going out of his way. He's changing his travel plans in order to make a difference in some guy's life. Man, as I think about that, that's not easy to do. And, you know, I don't think he's sitting down saying, did you deserve to get beat up? He just simply sees a need and he helps him out. And we have all these filters in our lives that we sift through instantly. When we see someone holding a sign at an intersection, be careful not to jump to a conclusion. Be careful not to let that filter just rob you of being sensitive to what God might have you do in that moment. I know our officials, and I, I believe this to most of you, they say don't get involved there. You're, 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 you know, you're not helping them. I get that. But I think it's important for us to not get calloused and hardened toward the needs of people, no matter how they got there. These stories can be horrendous. Let's be the people on the planet, on this earth, that actually... We'll talk to somebody about what happened to them. That we're willing to have a discussion with people who might need to talk about stuff in their life. 
Number five, you know, true care comes with a price. When you decide you're going to care for somebody, it's going to cost you some stuff. And we don't always like that part of it, but let's, let's, let's open it up. Let's talk about it. Look at verse 35. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If the bill runs higher than this, this is phenomenal, then I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Then he says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? <laughs> the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Notice he didn't say the Samaritan. And he certainly didn't call him the good Samaritan. We came up with that name later. And Jesus said, yes. Now go and do the same. Go and do that. Go and make a difference with your life. And you know what I love about this? This, this man on the road, it wasn't like this Samaritan had to go around the world to help him. I'm, I'm sometimes frustrated with, with Christians and people of faith who are willing to go across the world, but they're not willing to go across their street. And our love should be offered freely in our care to those that we are with on a daily basis. And I know that it's not easy. Sometimes I'm irritated by people in my neighborhood. And the other day I, was, I took the trash out. You know, you have a trash day. We have a same-day collection in our whole neighborhood. And right in front of our house... On the driveway was a big pile of, of cigarette butts, like this big around. And it's, I thought, well, how in the world did that get there? And by the way, you know, it, it probably many of you smoke. If you smoke, I don't, I don't, this isn't against you personally. People ask me all the time, do you think smoking will keep you out of heaven? You know, and I'm like, no, I don't. I think it'll get you there before you're supposed to be there. <laughs> I mean, it's, not, it's probably not the best habit in the world, but... But if you do smoke, please listen to this, because somebody just pulled out their ashtray in their car and just dumped it out the window right in front of my house. And that's not okay. And I hate it when I see people just throw something trash out the window. And so I was just kind of like getting enraged about this, and I'm looking at all these cigarette butts, and I'm like, I wish I could have seen who did this. I think I would have followed them to their house. And then I just, I remembered, I'm in a series about the art of neighboring. And I think I, I was going to change it to judgment comes on those who throw cigarette butts out the window. So I, I kind of laughed at myself and I thought, okay, this, that's kind of dumb. And as I was picking them up, I thought, whoever did this, maybe, Lord, I, I could just pray for them right now to realize this isn't a great choice to just throw trash out the window. And so I did. And... I still wouldn't like to find that again, but my heart was challenged. And it's what you do with those moments. Instead of being enraged or frustrated or wanting to take care of it in, a, in an angry way or a frustrating way, and I believe in accountability, but there's stuff we can do all the time where maybe we're not going to be noticed or we're not going to get the credit, and it's not going to be big change. It's the little things that make a difference. So what kind of price are we going to pay? If you had to list... The, the price that you think it would cost to be the kind of neighbor God wants you to be, I wonder what you would write on your list. I've put four things down here. I think there's more than four. But I'm just going to go through four. Number one is financial price. It cost the Samaritans some money to mend the wounds, to take him to an inn, to, to show care. And if you have the money, 
you might not mind using it that way. But the truth is, maybe not everyone would be in that position to be able to give money. And so not everyone in our fellowship would be able to financially make a big difference in someone's life if that's what they need. But this guy gave without resentment. He gave as far as, he even said, if it costs more, I'll do more. What a generous person. I mean, sometimes relationships are costly when it comes to finances. The second one is time. If, if you have time but no money, you might be giving the greater gift. Well, you know, money's always on high on the list. Everybody's trying to make more money. It's kind of weird. But you, if you have time, you might have the best thing possible to help people and listen to their story and join with them in their journey. And you might not have either. You might not have time or money right now. You might be in a season of your life and you can still pray for your neighbors. Uh, you might have both. You might have a little bit of time and a little bit of money. But you may tell you something that excites me the most about all this is we are the church. And when I look around this room and I have watched all weekend and I see some of you with means, God's blessed you financially, some of you who have time right now, you've retired, you're doing some other things. I look at why God calls us the body of Christ. You know what's cool about being the church? is that you don't have to solely accept responsibility for all the money or all the time. You can do your part. Maybe you're a hand. Maybe you're the nose or you're the eyes and you have a vision for something, but you really don't have the time to develop it. Well, there's other people here who can. So together, we collaborate. And we become His kids on the earth. And that's why we can get stuff done around here. That's why we can impact our city. is because we can all use the gifts that God has given us to give. And we can do it together. I love that about the church. God had a great idea when He put you in this body. And He calls it the body of Christ. The third thing is, I think, it's emotional energy. I think this is the toughest one on the list. It's so much easier to just write a check than it is to truly care. Do you agree or not? What do you think? It's, it's hard when you really roll up your sleeve and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into somebody's life. Because uh, it, it costs usually both time and money. But beyond that is you might, you might be awake at night trying to help, trying to think about, you know, trying to pick somebody up, trying to be their friend, trying to do what you need to do. Um, emotional energy. And everyone's wired different. Some of you get a lot of energy by being with people. Others of you need solitude in your life. You look at the life of Jesus. He loved being with people. But he had limits. He had boundaries. And healthy boundaries are going to save your life in the long run. Jesus, sometimes his disciples were frustrated with him because he would go off alone, not even tell them where he was going. He'd be praying with his father. He would be alone on the mountainside. There's one time where they found him in the next morning and they were mad at him. And they said, Lord, the people are lined up in the city. Where were you? You know, they're ready for you. And he said, I'm not going back there. Let's go to the next town. He had... He had really good boundaries in his life, and yet he gave his life for you and me. And I just want to encourage you, if you want to be in this for the long haul, then pay attention to the balances of your passions, of time and money, of emotional energy that you can give with your life. The last thing, and this touches me a lot, is reputation. Jesus risked his reputation in order to minister to people with needs. Tax collectors were hated. 
And he goes up to this tree. Zacchaeus was a small man, and he climbed the tree to see Jesus coming. And Jesus goes up to the tree. If you want to know where this is, it's in Luke 19. And he says to Zacchaeus, come down, let's go to dinner today. I want to go to your house. Well, the religious would not allow someone like Jesus to ever go into the home of a tax collector. Ever. Jesus did it anyway. He risked his reputation. There's a guy named Levi in the Bible. What do we know him as? Matthew. Matthew in the New Testament. Matthew was a disciple. One of the twelve. He was a tax collector when it started. And when Jesus came into his life, he threw a party and he invited all of his friends. Guess who they were? <laughs> they weren't the other disciples. They were people from the community. They were, again... You know what they said? The religious people said, Jesus, why are you hanging out, New Living Translation, with scum like this? Luke 5, you can read it. 29 through 32. It's crazy. You know why Jesus ended up being put on the cross and killed? Because he ate with publicans and sinners. Are we good at this at church? I mean, I I need to say this. I think some of you need to be less afraid to put yourself in situations that might be risky. I've been in a few where I have friends who don't know the Lord and their habits are not my habits and I know when to leave the party. But I was glad I was there because God gave me some moments to help. Now you have to be really careful with this. You know, if you're a struggling alcoholic, your ministry probably isn't bar hopping, talking to people about drinking. Would you agree? You know, if you're trying to lose weight, don't go to all the restaurants in town that have the big, you know, open all-you-can-eat buffets. (laughs) Not smart. You with me? So know your weakness. Understand that. Because don't put yourself in a situation where you're actually going to do the opposite of what Jesus... And you compromise your integrity. That's not good. But I don't want you to be afraid. I don't want Timberliners, for lack of a better word, to be afraid to go to your office party. To get involved with people in their life and in their mess. And you're going to end up with some situations that might not be that comfortable for other people who who go to Timberline. Well, so what? You're on a mission for God. And you might not have the same weaknesses that they have. And they might not need to be in that environment. God can use you in that environment with wisdom and caution and knowing when to leave. So please don't twist what I've said to justify something you want to do that you shouldn't be doing. You with me? Say yes. I hope you understand what I mean by that. I want to pray together because I believe that some of you might throw that block party and let the city pay for it. <laughs> Have a barbecue. Some of you need to organize a garage sale for your neighborhood and give a portion of it to some charity of your choice. Do something. Make a difference. But most of all, don't make your neighbors a project. Don't offer them your agenda. Just offer them your life. And be a good neighbor. Let's pray. Help us, Lord, to lay our lives out there with proper boundaries, with the risks that we can manage, giving where we can, and being the body of Christ. I want to pray specifically for some of you with your heads bowed that would just raise your hand to this. I'm not going to ask any more detail. 
But I really want to pray with you, and I want our church to pray with you. Here's the, here's the statement. I need help with some of the relationships that I am in right now. Lift your hand if that's you. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you will be a God who restores, a God who comes alongside and ministers, who gives us insight that we do not currently have. Maybe we can't fix it, but we can pray. Maybe we can take a step toward it. Show us what step. Show us how. We need specifics because we know this relationship is bruised and wounded. And we need you, your healing, your forgiveness, your grace. Help us, Lord, to understand these things. I want to pray secondly for all of us. I want us all to just say, I will commit to engaging more with my neighborhood naturally. In other words, when they're in my path, when I'm on the walk, I, I'm going to be open to a, a, a discussion. I'm going to be open to saying hi. I'm going to be open to whatever it is that God might press upon my heart. Lord, we, we just say we will we'll be listening. And when you cause us like the Samaritan to, to have compassion for someone on the path we happen to be on, show us what to do. And show us how to help. We just need you to do that. Lord, I just pray that this series around our community, with all the churches doing it, that we'll see the tide rise in a powerful way of building relationships, meaningful relationships, caring relationships that will deepen our friendship and build the kingdom of God, especially kingdom principles. We thank you for this. We trust you fully. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. I'm proud of you. And uh, let's go forth and make a difference in the world as God helps us do it. Ushers, come. This is the time when we receive an offering. And you guys, thanks for being a generous church, for giving faithfully, for being a good steward of what God has put in your hand. If you're a guest today, we do not expect you to give in this offering. This would be when you put your connection card in the plate as it goes by. Lord, thank you for the generosity of your people that you have asked us to be cheerful givers. And so we prepared these funds. We give with joy. We ask you to spend these dollars in a way that honors and glorifies you. In the precious name of Christ, we pray it. Amen. Hey, sing this song from your heart. It's powerful.
what a difference it would make in our world. So we choose to lift up your name. Show us how to live it, breathe it, and mean it. And have great discussions about it. Give us sensitivity and mercy and grace that we offer. Let it ooze out of us as your kids on this earth. Show us how to be the neighbors you're calling us to be. We thank you for this series. We thank you for these thoughts. We ask you to let fruit come from the Word of God. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Our prayer team is coming right now. They'd be up here. They'd love to pray with you about any need you have in your life. Tables in the mall. Say it with me as we go. The service starts now. God bless you. Thanks for being Timberline. Have a great week.